going to do one of our Food Founders interviews um, with Gracia and Greg um, from Cheeky Peas. They founded Cheeky Peas in 2018, um, inspired by Malaysian street snack, which I will allow one of them to pronounce for me. <laughs> <laughs> I can see me muttering that one. Um, <laughs> made from steamed chickpeas um, that they loved while they were growing up there. Um, They've developed these into an HFSS compliant snack range and um, have done amazingly, actually. Um, you know, it's one of those things that uh, they've made this look good. They launched into Sainsbury's Taste of the Future, Ricardo, Booth's, a number, and I'm going to let I'm going to let them talk to you about it as well. Um, so um, it, it's very impressive to me, actually. I'm very impressed by this. Um, I, I like I like the approach as well. The company's called Wacky Snacks. Um, I think maybe that says it all. So uh, yeah, can I can I start then by um, asking you how did you how did you come to start Cheeky Peas? What were you doing before, and sort of how did that idea come about? Yeah. So um, Greg, and, thanks for having us. Greg and I were actually both in Newcastle University, Malaysian okay. siblings. We came here for uni, did accounting and finance. Wasn't really quite our passion, and. The, the truth is, like you said, you know, the, the inspiration of cheeky peas started from what we call kacang puteh, which is Malaysian for chickpeas. And this is a really popular street snack in Malaysia, steamed and lightly salted, a really healthy snack that locals and we loved growing up. Um, so when we came over here, we actually, there was actually a, a moment that inspired this light bulb moment um, to, to start cheeky peas. So we had some friends over um, our student flats. We were hosting match day so everyone came over to watch a match we had completely run out of snacks by halftime but we have we always have chickpeas in our cupboards and also curry spices that our mom would ship over from malaysia because every time she's home we'll make some curry and curry is a huge part of our food culture so drawing inspiration from kacang puteh we banged it all together vegetable oil in the into the oven and um, our friends really loved it and that started the idea to basically we kept making it and at the request of our friends and um yeah so that started the whole idea basically when Newcastle University announced they had this entrepreneurship program um we thought why not pitch the idea um and we got an endorsement to launch a business in February 2018. Oh that's amazing and so how did how did the um how did the endorsement work from the university? Um so the university chooses a few startups that they um they believe in the um business idea and then they would sort of make connections for you. They will help you. You know, you have access to sort of like a business coach and the business coach would maybe talk you through your business plan, your business model, you know, and try to give you feedback, uh, feedback, um, which I think at the early stage, I think is really crucial for business. Mm. That's really good. So presumably that was something that was only available to you because you were at Newcastle University. Yes, yes so, but yeah, I think it's it's a program that a lot of universities have um have currently an entrepreneurship program or some sort. Okay, okay, no, that's fantastic. Um, so tell me a little bit about the Cheeky Peas mission. I I understand where you came from. How did how did you build that then into a business idea? Just inspired by the kacang puteh snack that we love growing up. I think our goal is to promote healthy snacking. Um, we love chickpeas in every shape and form, and we hope to use that to basically create a range of healthy roasted chickpeas or healthy savory snacks um, that champions the mighty chickpea and allow people to incorporate more chickpeas into your daily lives because they're so nutritious and so good for you. So, yeah. Okay, amazing. So was the first product you did the curry version or was it a different one? Um, it's actually the curry version. So that was the very okay. first product that we made in the kitchen and also commercially. 
Um, it was, um, you know, curry is, is a huge part of Malaysian food culture and we love curry. So it was just a natural flow of how things um, went. And we got really great feedback. We actually tested um, our curry roasted chickpeas with a bunch of people, not just friends and family, for, for fear that they might be a bit skewed and biased. So we actually tested the products outside in public and with little pots of our curry flavoured ones and it went down really well. Oh, that's fantastic. That's always, it's always good when you, when you get good feedback. How did, you, how did you go about developing it from something that you made in your kitchen into a commercial product? Um, so the, the first thing that I did, I personally did, did was try, try to find a manufacturer. So um, we tried to find a manufacturer who basically understands or creates a similar product. Um, and, you know, we spoke to, we spoke to f- people who are also experienced in the industry who have basically worked with a manufacturer before um, and tried, you know, basically and see if it was viable. And thankfully, we found a manufacturer who was already creating something similar um, and then you know, we, we, we flew over, we tried to understand the processes that they do. Um, and yeah, that was sort of how it just sort of kicked off after that. Oh, okay. Perfect. So they were, they were able to help you with things like pricing and, um, sort of commercial sources of ingredients. Uh, yes. So they, they already had, you know, a supplier, a supplier who did that because they did a similar product. So that was um, fairly straightforward for, for this current range. Okay. Okay. Oh, that was that was great. Uh, it's not not off, always possible to do that, particularly as a startup company. Um, exactly. I think you were you did well to find someone that was very aligned actually with what you were trying to do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> cool. What's in your range now? Um, and what? How did you how did you go about expanding your range? So we currently have a range of four four flavors. Um, we started off with the curry and um, black pepper, and we delisted the black pepper when we made we when we rebranded last year, and we also introduced the bar- barbecue. I think in about twenty in twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. and during la- lockdown last year, we completely rebranded, reduced our pack size from fifty grams to forty grams, and mm-hmm. we introduced two additional flavors, which was vegan cheese and chili and lime. Um, so yeah, those the, currently we have four in the whole range and you are you finding that having four is working well for you in terms of retail um yes so i, th- I think four <laughs> probably the, the the best number i think three three to four sounds sounds about right you know i think a retailer would usually take two to three three being at the maximum um but it's always good to give them an uh, an option because not all flavors will work for mainstream retail that's really useful to hear. One of the very, very super common questions I get asked is how many SKUs should I launch? You know, is it one? Is it eight? Is it, you know, <laughs> around three does seem to be the magic number, I have to say. Um, cool. So um, which channels are you currently using to sell your products? And how, how did you how did you get into those? Um, so the, our main channels right now are grocery, on trade, health and wholesale and e-commerce. So we started with um, the health and wholesale sector where um, myself and Gracia, we went basically door-to-door in Newcastle um, looking for independent delis, farm shops, um, health food shops, basically anything. Our product is quite mainstream, so that was um, fairly straightforward for us. Um, but since then, that has expanded into grocery. And, you know, during lockdown last year, we ramped up our, the side of, our e-commerce side of things. Um, and another one is Zontrade, which we are growing in that sector. Um, we previously never really aimed that aim at the on-trade sector because it's a bit of a minefield um, but chickpeas and you know peas or flavored peas work really well in that sector because it's a bit it's like drained, peanuts yeah. you know and or, or like wasabi peas so it's quite quite similar texture and quite similar um, consumer experience for that sure okay cool do you have any um 
learnings from sort of gone going through the process and trying to sell your products out through different sectors on or or recommendations on what works well um yeah I, I think the first thing i would i mean advice would probably would say to focus on a few maybe one to two channels to begin with you know i think if you focus too much you know the business you spread out a little bit thin so i would say hyper focus on channels that you feel that you're strongest in or um are selling really well in (laughs) and before moving on into another channel i think that's what we did as well we did (coughs) wholesale primarily the start and then naturally progress into the other channels and when the opportunity presents itself Right. Okay. That's really, really interesting to hear. I think, yes, not spreading yourself too thin sounds like amazing advice. (laughs) How did you find the process of getting listed? Oh, it's a long process. Let's let's put it that way. So um, to especially with the retailers, I think, you know, from the moment a retailer says yes to the product, you you probably could look at another six to 12 months before it actually gets listed so and hence i think that's why you so it's always good to have sort of like a multi-channel strategy in some ways because you know grocery for example retailers only look at product once a year um whereas uh, an independent shop or health and wholesale shop can pick up your products fairly quick if they like it so it's always good to to have a balance of that um but for for a listing process um, we always think that it it's usually longer than what you always think it is um, and there's always a lot of due diligence that the, the retailers would, would make. So there's all, a lot of things that you would have to prepare for. Um, and the, I think after you've done it the first first two times, it should be fairly straightforward after that. Well, that's really useful advice, actually. We always have a, um, well, we always have a mix of people that either tune in live to our webinars or listen to them afterwards. And um, almost certainly some of them will be looking to put together their sales strategy and their marketing strategy. Trying to set expectations a little bit in terms of timing is really useful, actually. Because um, I think if you're particularly if you're just starting up from scratch, it's a it's a bit unknown. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, I think a lot of people expect to, you know, once I've launched my product, I would secure a listing in the next six months. I, I, and usually that's highly unlikely. Um, I think because you know, even re- for retailers, they do not want to take a lot of risk. Um, they want to see, they want to know whether the product itself has traction, whether there's really a market opportunity for for that product. Yeah, I think what we always tell ourselves is just be persistent. We have to, you have to be resilient and just have to be keep at it you're not working on your own timeline you're working at the buyer's timeline mm-hmm. or the retailer's timeline so um while you're waiting for an answer for example um try and create some a data set if you can to share with the retailers that you're speaking to yeah. um share any sort of progress that you've made any um, interesting projects that's in the pipeline that will really help with conversations as well so really building that rapport with the retailer that sounds like that sounds like great advice um yeah and and also just to reiterate that it's not just one email it's a it's a continual discussion exactly sometimes it can be one way until um until that you get the answer and then flows into a progression um a conversation sure sure okay no that's really that's fantastic advice so i mean your brand is fantastic it really really I'm going to use, I think these are Stephen's words actually, but it pops off the shelf. <laughs> I love the fact your company's called Wacky Snacks as well. You know, I think you you guys do make it look good. Clearly you're working really hard. Um, in terms of in terms of the, the brand and building that brand, what, what was that process like for you? Um, it's a long ongoing process. 
mm. I think you know um, with with branding you know that is sort of the core for a lot of consumer goods if, if you do not manufacture it themselves you know and for for us it's very important um, we we've always chose you know a cool cool quirky name fun vibrant packaging for, for us I think the the thought process behind it is the first impression for a consumer so if a consumer see something that attracts them you know either a name that rolls off rolls off their tongue or it's fun to say or a packaging that really appeals to them um, chances are they will pick that pick up pick that product up from the shelf and I think that that's really important because you know if you look into a supermarket right now it's a, it's a mind view you know it, uh, there's a lot of products looking very similar or you know offering you know everyone's shouting the same USPs so you really need to have a key difference um, and you know just that one extra mile for that consumer to pick up that product. Yeah, I think our branding has evolved a lot from when we first started and we feel it continue to evolve. If you've seen our packaging before, at the very first iteration that we have of Cheeky Beast packaging, it's actually um, Greg sketched out the cartoon character of Mr. Cheeky oh. Golden. Okay. To a local designer who refined it. Um, and we, we learned a lot throughout this whole branding process. So what we thought was cheeky and pretty cool with that cartoon drawn character of Mr. Cheeky um, turned out seemed to appeal more to children where that's not necessarily what, what the snack is um, target audience is especially when it started to work really well with beer and we, we started to gain traction in the on-trade um, sector and that's how that's why last year we took that time to rebrand we refine the character a little bit more so it's more mass, mass market appeal um, so yeah it's it's a grow, it's a process and it's still ongoing at the minute but thank you so much for your um, compliments. I <laughs> know, oh, it's great. It clearly appeals to the inner child of me from the start. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell me a little bit about um, your company. How, how big is the Cheeky Peas organisation? Um, so currently we're a team of four and there will be two joining us. Um, so we'll, we'll soon be a team of six. Um, yeah, so right now that's, that's, that's the team size. Um, yeah. Okay, and how 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 have you grown that? How, what have you? I, obviously, it was the two of you to start with. What's what skills have you had to look outside for and build into your organisation? Um, so we it was just mainly the two of us for a very long time, um, and you know we've always looked at. So, you know, we've always looked at bringing people on board when, when we could afford it. And, you know, most more recently, we've brought on people that could really help us with our journey. You know, mm. we we don't claim to be experts in everything. I think, you know, as the business grow, there's a lot more things that we will have to focus on. For example, sales strategy. Right now, you know, we're going into different different areas which we do not um, personally have the expertise for and you know that's where we we look at now somebody, somebody who sales sales experience who who's worked with a similar size company who who knows their numbers who knows their figures who knows how to present the brand you know and for us it's very important to find somebody i think one of the main key criteria is somebody who has personality who that would be able to work together with us as a team i think that's really important um and you know somebody who's I think fun and as, as well because I think it's really important because a lot of times buy, buyers or retailers will not only buy buy the brand or buy the product but they also buy it from the person who's selling it to them which is key. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. We well, we've really enjoyed working with you over the over the years. Nice. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you remember how you first found Frog Hop and decided to work with us? Yes, so you know we we found Frog Hope through a recommendation from Lexi's 
um, Lexi's treats. So, you know, I think he, I think he was, he mentioned something on the food hub and then I, I personally reached out to him. I dropped him a message on, on Facebook and then said, could you oh. please recommend me to Mel? And then, you know, we, we reached out to you. We had an initial conversation and then, you know, you know, you, you clearly know your stuff. You've helped us a lot along the way with NPDs, you know, with looking at products and even with our new flavors, you have with, um, with our chili and lime and vegan cheese frock up help a lot along the way as well. Yeah. Oh, thank you for that. That's great. Um, um, let, me, let me um change tack a little bit. I'm very aware of trying not to overrun. I need to allow enough time at the end for questions. Um, Tell me a little bit about how you um you funded the business and what you've done to generate funds to to move it forwards. Yeah, um, so we the, the, we bootstrapped the business for a long time. So the first first eighteen months it was um, boots bootstrap, and you know once you've got traction or once you get you know some smaller listings, then you, you can create that um sort of a profile, and that is when we reach out to some angel investors. And since then, we've had funding from angel investors and a corporate investor, and yeah. Yeah, we're very fortunate to have met investors who really believed in the mission, really believed in the company and are huge fans of the snacks itself, um, who've been with us since um, they joined the business until today. Oh, that's, really, that's really useful. So looking back then, um, what do you think are the most important things you've learned along the way? Um, you know, is, is there something you wish you could go back and tell yourself at the start of the process that you know now? <laughs> I think the most important thing for me is to equip yourself with the best people. Um, we're both like, technically we're fresh out of uni, so we were never we never had experience in this space. Um, until we are still constantly learning from people around us and from yourselves and from any of the consultants that we work with. So yeah, I think if we could have, we might have started bringing people on board earlier in our journey. Um, but yeah, we're, we're fortunate to have um, all you guys in our business today. Yeah. It's helped us grow. Exactly. For for me, I think it's patience, patience and resilience. I think, you know, there's a lot of things in the in the food and beverage. It, it's a highly competitive space. Mm. Um, and it's something that, you know, when you launch a product, things you, you want things to, as a food founder, you know, you're really passionate about it, especially at the in, in super early days, you know, um, and you really want to see it on shelves. But the thing, the truth is that things do not always work on your timeline and it works more on the retailer's timeline or, or the buyer's timeline. And, and you know, you just have to keep keep on going, you yeah, know, just to keep on going. Yeah. yeah. A no is not no. <laughs> just think of a no as not now. <laughs> oh, that's that's really that's really, really good advice. So what what do you what's your plans for the next 12 months? Um with exciting NPD in the pipeline. Mm-hmm. Which we were which, from home with. <laughs> yeah, which we <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> um and hopefully in the next year you will be seeing a lot more GTPs in stores close to you. Um, Amazing. That sounds good. So you you're recruiting so you said you're recruiting two more people as well? Yes. Yes. Oh, that's fantastic. So, so do you, you have your own premises or do you all work remotely at the moment? We all work remotely at the moment. Okay, that's, that's absolutely fair enough. Cool. And it, do you also have plans to expand the market um, that you're going into as well as NPD? Um, yes. So we've expanded into, you know, we've always, we've always expanded into different international listings. Um, I think Europe is a bit of a minefield right now, but um, we've always looked abroad. Um, okay. In the last six months, we've had quite a bit of success in the Middle East. We launched with um, Lulu Hypermarket over there um, okay. and also launched in Saudi with a local distributor. Mm. And uh, there's a few more listings on the way in that region. That sounds amazing. It sounds like looking really, really well. 
Okay, question from Nathan. Um, hi, Nathan. When looking for new members of staff, such as people to help with sales, where do you start looking and are there any resources you use? Interesting question. Um, yeah, so we uh, there's there's many, many ways, many, many resources. Um, I think one of it is LinkedIn. Uh, you can you can post it on job sites like indeed.com. And I think personally, I think the best that we have found is true recommendations. Um, I think, you know, there's if, you know, if you have a network of people that you, you know, you work with or you're closely in contact with, they sometimes they might have somebody in mind, which they know that is perfect for the role. And so far, we found that to be sort of the best um, best way to reach out to people um, but there, there are a lot of resources you can use a recruiter as well and um, that's more expensive there's a cost involved um, but yeah that usually you would be able to get you know a good idea of what sort of person you want from from a recruiter as well yeah i support that as well actually generally then if you build your network big enough it, it can often pay off or use other people's networks yeah um yeah absolutely um oh question from Stephen. um have you used the kickstart scheme um yes yes we have so we have um two person two one we had one join from kickstart scheme okay and we have another one joining from from a kickstart scheme as well um from the kickstart scheme yes uh we how did we find it um we found it tricky challenging challenging um definitely um there's i think the we had not a lot of applicants. We had a lot of referrals, but not a lot of applicants. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we've resorted to posting the job on Indeed. Um, and we mentioned in the job description that it's a kickstart scheme mm -hmm. and that they have to qualify for. And then we conducted interviews from there. And, and for any successful applicants, um, we they would go and speak to their work coach yep. um, that they're interested in this kickstart role with um, Wacky Snacks. And from then we can speak to our kickstart gateway to link the two together, basically. Yep. So instead of waiting for the applicants to be referred to us, we went out to find applicants and refer them to this, the kickstart role. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. Just for, I'm not sure everyone um, probably understands the kickstart scheme. Excuse me. Um, uh, what do you need to do to qualify for the kickstart scheme? Um, you need to be 16 to 24 um, and you need to be on universal credit, um, yeah. unemployed, and then you are with the job centre. So I think you're looking for a job basically. Um, right. Yep. Okay, that's, that's useful. Um, Okay, question from, actually, I don't have a name here, Chocolate Moments, good morning, um, about confidentiality agreements. At what stage you um, sign these with your manufacturer? Um, personally, we've not, we've, we've not signed a confidentiality agreement. Um, we've, we've signed other, other sort of manufacturing agreements. And I think the, the reason why we've not pressed ahead with that is that um, they already manufacture a lot of similar products. And, you know, for us is that, um, it's there's not it's not really air, bulletproof or airtight as as it seems, you know. Mm. <laughs> and I'm sure Mel Mel would be in a better position to advise on that. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I live my life under an, uh, an NDA, but yes, there is always a lot of discussion about you know if it, if things did go wrong, yeah. um, how how well will it stand up? And I think honestly, at the end of the day, some of, some of it's about sort of your level of comfort, but also building a relationship with whether it's a manufacturer or someone else, actually, mm -hmm. um, you know, you have to feel comfortable regardless of the NDA as to, you know, whether they're going to do the right thing by you. But uh, I think it's, yeah, Greg, it's, I think it's, it's also um, a recognition that <clears throat> at the end of the day, um, 
you know, it's uh, how easy is, is it to copy something? Yeah. Um, you know, and it's not just about um, your recipe. It's about your brand. It's about the, you know, the whole business. There's a lot more to it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I suppose just to just to answer the question from my side of things, we do we tend to put NDAs with manufacturers in place before we share anything that we feel is sort of vaguely confidential, like um like recipes. You no, know, unless a customer specifically told us we could do it, we would never. In fact, we we always ask permission regardless of whether we've got an NDA in place, but we do tend to put one in fairly early. But yeah, it's at your at your comfort factor, I think as well. Yeah. And I would always try and build a relationship with a manufacturer. Okay, oh, we've put up the link to uh, cheekypeas.co.uk on the in the chat if you want to go and and have a look directly. Thank you ever so much for joining us this morning, both. I really appreciate it. And I think, yeah, carry on doing a great job, and uh, yeah, look forward to the new innovations as um, as they start to work through. Pleasure having us. Thanks, Mel. Thanks to you. Thanks everyone for joining. Um, Thanks, everyone. Have a good weekend. You too. Bye-bye. If you've got a question about your product development, you can always contact us via the website www.froghop.co.uk. You can book a free of charge introductory call at www.froghop.co.uk forward slash meet. You'll find a wealth of free resources for starting, developing and scaling your food or drink product and business at www.froghop.co.uk forward slash resources.